0: Welcome to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Thank you for joining the Purpose Driven Sobriety podcast. My name is Christine and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I would like to thank a very special friend of mine, Mr. Randy Grimes, um, for sponsoring this episode. He has Athletes in Recovery. Uh, Randy Grimes was a, a player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for 10 years. Um, was on He was on the show, I think it was episode four, and he's got a... A beautiful story of redemption, um, and he also just walks the walk and talks talks the talk every single day with athletes in recovery. So, um, be sure and check him out, Randy. I love your heart. Thank you so much for for sponsoring this episode. So um, today, you know, on the show, we we share our experience, strength, and hope um, with with you know our. Our journeys through addiction into recovery, and so I, you know, when I when I'm looking for people to come on the show and share their stories, a, a lot of them come from, and, and I've said this many, pretty much every show, I guess, you know, there are so many different recovery pages online that, um, you know, if you're new to recovery or or a veteran in recovery, um, you can find some community in these pages, and it's just like any other type of meeting. Well, kind of, it's not like a meeting meeting, in my humble opinion, but but just like any meeting, you know, you're going to find your your rooms or you know that's that's comfortable for you and that fits so so just keep searching until you find the one but without further ado I have Mr. Andrew H now do you do you practice anonymity Andrew I don't even think I I asked you I guess Um, not since you're on video. absolutely
1: with others I do (laughs) but um, not with myself I got you okay so Andrew (laughs) Hartman
0: now you're uh, talking to me from Wisconsin So, um, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me today. I know that you've got things going on in your life that, that need your attention and, and I appreciate how you value recovery. Um, so basically just tell me the deal, what it was like, what happened, what you're like now, um, you know, we, we usually talk for about an hour. So, you know, you tell me, tell me what happened with, with you and your story.
1: Well, um, you know, my story is really not unique, um. I was raised in a very religious home, a very strict, no TV on Sundays, no cussing, no drinking, no smoking, uh, church. And, uh, it was a great upbringing. I had a wonderful family, a uh, very loving parents and four siblings in a very close household. Um, but I was pretty sheltered. And when I graduated high school, I had never tasted alcohol or tried any drugs or, uh, even cigarettes or oh, anything. Oh, wow. Um, it's pretty, um, pretty sheltered and um I had four grandparents who suffered from alcoholism and three of them were dead when I graduated high school from their alcohol related complications uh, and the fourth was in recovery and I had never known him to drink
2: mm-hmm. he'd
1: been sober almost as long as I'd been alive so I didn't understand um really how alcoholism had impacted my parents my family uh, you know it was it was all kind of before me and beyond my my vision or my understanding. Because mm-hmm. Grandpa, to me, was always sober. So I didn't know anything different. Um, incidentally, I went to my first meeting with him when I was 14. Uh, I was visiting him, and an old man came to the door and banged on the screen door and said, Troy, are you coming to the meeting? Wow. The said, yeah, I'll be right there. And I said, Grandpa, what kind of meeting you got on a Saturday? He said, mm-hmm. you know what? Why don't you come with me? You might enjoy this. And we went to an AA meeting
2: okay. and
1: back then the old men sat around the table and smoked their cigarettes and drank their coffee. And to me talked about a drink they hadn't had in decades. And I thought they were all crazy, mm. but my grandpa was a pretty tough old guy. And when we were driving away, he said, well, boy, what'd you think? And I struggled to get the words out because you didn't just speak real plainly to him. And I finally got bold and said, grandpa, it seemed a little crazy to me because uh, I've never known you to drink and I don't know what the purpose of that was, but you're no more alcoholic than I am. No. <laughs> and he thought for a minute and he looked over at me and he said, you know, boy, you're probably right about that. It took me 20 years to understand that he was not agreeing with me. He was telling me that I was exhibiting all the signs and symptoms and behaviors that are consistent with alcoholism.
2: Oh, wow. Wow.
1: And I, in fact, I was in a meeting 20 years later and it hit me and I'm like, oh my gosh, he knew. Mm. Long before I added alcohol to me, I had the behaviors, the the immediate gratification and selfishness and manipulation things going on in my life. Mm-hmm. And um so that was a piece of wisdom that took a long time to germinate, but it was um uh, it was a real blessing to me. Anyway, I went to college, um, and joined a fraternity and got blackout drunk the very first time I tasted alcohol. And I woke up with a girl I didn't know in a place I didn't recognize with an earring in my ear and scared myself to death when I looked in the mirror. And I thought, well, I guess this is what partying is. And I should have known right then that I didn't drink like other people, that I wasn't normal, that there was something different, but I did not have that understanding of that vision. I just thought this is what happens. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it progressed, of course. And I kept feeding the monster and it grew and grew and grew. And a few decades went by and lots of complications, broken relationships, uh, not really early on trouble with the law, but um, the rough, difficult things that come with alcoholism. And then I eventually added some drugs to it and, or other drugs, I should say. Um, And I uh, got real caught up in that life and I was miserable mostly because i knew better Mm -hmm. from my upbringing and my life previous the contrast was ugly and harsh for me
0: now was your grandfather alive during this time
1: he actually died my first year in college oh okay Um, and he he died sober with Mm. 18 years sober, and uh is still to this day one of my heroes he he won the game
2: right how
1: you do it is you go out with your sobriety and your dignity and and uh, left a lasting legacy in my life and many others. Um, So yeah, we lost him, but uh, I cherish those years with him. What a great man. Mm -hmm. And what an example to me um, of how to stay the course. Right. Strong, strong man. So um, I went through a number of marriages and relationships and jobs and all the consequences that go with excessive everything because I was very excessive. In fact, my roommate once named me Mr. Immediate Gratification and I thought it was a compliment. So I got a vanity plate on my Audi that said Mr. IG. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It made my mother sick. And she said, I just can't believe you want to live that way. And I said, oh mom, it's it's just a thing, you know and tried to minimize it. But uh, I was living that life in all aspects. Um, If I wanted it, I wanted it right then. And um, there was no stopping what I was after. Mm. So I pursued the misery that I I gained. Uh, I worked hard for it to screw up my great life and I did a very thorough job of it. The years passed and I eventually ended up pulled over drunk and hitting a cop and going to prison in Texas for assault on a police officer is a, kind of an ugly thing. And those were some hard years, difficult times. Um, and when I got out my second day, I went in search of drugs and alcohol.
2: Mm.
1: I wasn't done. I wasn't even close. But I had started going to some meetings, accumulated a number of 30, 60, and 90-day chips, but I was not ready to surrender. Um, So uh, I continued traveling that hard road. And then one day, a few years later, I decided I'm done. I had been strung out and drunk for days, and I really had enough, and I was ready to change. So I went down to the local... uh, rehab center, determined to do it right. And I said to myself, I'm telling the whole truth. And when I went through the admissions process, I sat down with that nurse and she said, how much do you drink, how much do you use, how often, when was the last and all that. And I told it all, which wasn't my way. I was normally very deceitful about that,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but I was determined. And when I got to the alcohol part, uh, last actually, I told her how much I'd been drinking, how recently, And she closed her eyes and put her pen down and looked down at the sheet for a minute. She looked up at me and she said, I'm sorry, we can't admit you. And I said, what? She said, at that level of drinking, you're going to need to be medically detoxed. And we don't have a medical detox bed. And I said, oh, I'll be fine. I've been through this before. Please let me in. And she said, we can't. If you die from your withdrawals, Mm -hmm. this will shut this place down and everyone here will lose their opportunity. And I can't do that to them. And she turned me away. Mm. And um, I went outside and I was utterly broken. I said, well, I can't get sober. I can't live like this. I don't have any options. And I literally did not see the way out. So I went home to what was left of my apartment, went out on the back porch, and I didn't cry for help. And I didn't reach out, and I wasn't making a showing, and there wasn't any anything except I was just done. And I tied a rope over the rafter on the apartment above. Stepped into a chair and kicked it. I was done. Amazingly, that was August, first of two thousand, fifteen. Or two thousand five? I'm sorry. Um. Amazingly, my ex girlfriend came to check on me and found me there hanging dead. She cut me down, called the police, called nine one one. The cop cut his hand, getting the rope off my neck and they me on a stretcher and flew me in a helicopter and shocked me back to life on my way to a hospital in Fort Worth. Mm. And uh, nine days later, I woke up and my dad was standing at the edge of my bed. And I said, what are you doing in Texas? And he said, son, do you know what day it is? And I said, sure, dad, it's Monday. He said, no, it's the following Wednesday. I said, what happened? Did I wreck my truck? He said, no, you hung yourself. I said no. And he handed me a mirror and of course I had a huge scar. Oh, you on my didn't neck. even remember doing I that. I did not remember it at really? all. Really?
0: Now were and you I... intoxicated when you did it?
1: Yes. Okay. I've been drinking Big gotcha. Jack Daniels and coming off of coke and I was a mess.
0: I got gotcha. you. Okay. Um,
1: I didn't remember it and I started shaking and said someone did this to me call the police.
2: Oh wow. He said the
1: police are in the hall. They've been waiting for you to wake up for 9 days. You've got warrants everywhere. And I was just shocked. Um, I wasn't lying or trying to hide it. I I didn't know. I didn't know I had done it. I mm-hmm. didn't remember. And they, of course, put me in a mental hospital. And uh, I was in there with some very rough characters. Andrea Yates was one of them. Um, and I spent some time in there and did not believe. Every week I went to my treatment team and they said, tell us about the hanging. I said, I don't know who did it to me or when or why. But I didn't do this. For about three or four months. And then one day walking the track. It was like somebody opened the curtains in my life. and I remembered everything
2: really. The chair,
1: it all came to me. And two things happened right then. First, I was overwhelmed at what I had done. But more than that, I was absolutely devastated that my mind had been lying to me all this time. And well, I and broke- even
0: and even sober because you said it was four months later. Yes. So the I mean it's one thing to 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 go okay you know I am blackout drunk not to discount that but you know that's understandable that you're not going to remember what you, but but it's like how fucked up is my mind that right. that it's that it's yeah man oh man that had to be a trip
1: it was and it was so devastating that I went into some kind of freaked out state oh, I can't am- in the yeah. rubber room which mm-hmm. is what they do in mental hospitals when you're freaking out And uh, a nurse came and she looked at me and she said, did you remember? And I just not slinging, crying, nodding, couldn't even get the words out. And she said, let him up. And the guard was like, no, she said, let him up. And uh, we walked and talked and I said, I can't believe I did this, but I did. And then I went back to the treatment team and I told them. And they looked at me and said, how do you feel about what you did? And I said, well, I've learned something suicide is cowardly because i never in that moment thought of my family my friends the people that loved me what i was doing to them i thought only of my misery only of me and i was a chicken shit mm. to not see the bigger picture and it was selfish and cruel and i'm very angry about it and they said well you know that we're gonna have to send you back to jail now and you're gonna face your charges and I said, oh, I'm not scared of facing charges, jail consequences. In fact, that's necessary and good. I'm okay with that. What I'm scared of is my mind that I don't understand. And and uh, I had some time to sort it out. So some time went by and uh, I got out. And even that, believe it or not, was not enough. Mm. I drank and used again. But on February 4th of 2015, I was face down in my backyard six in the morning trying to choke down a drink because i was in such bad shape and i laid there in the grass and i looked at that drink and i poured it out and i said okay god i'm done i don't know how i'll make it i don't even know if it's possible but i'm done it's up to you and i haven't had the need to have a drink or any drug in my body since that day which is a miracle for a guy like me who spent decades destroying myself and everyone around me, every relationship, every job, every everything. And I surrendered that day. Um, there are no external factors that are enough for me to get sober. Not the love of my family, not the risk of my life, my freedom, my jobs, my housing, my none of it. None of that mattered until I reached a point of surrender. And so I learned a lot about giving up And my sponsor says often that God knows what he's doing. And just because I don't know what he's doing doesn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that was profound because if God sat down and said, here's the plan for your life, I promise you, I would immediately set to it and say, well, what if we, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) because that's how I am. I, I think I can influence or change or impact and it's not my job. It's not even my business, what he's doing with my life. I just need to have faith and hold on for the ride. Do the best I can with what's right in front of me and keep moving forward. And um, it's been an amazing, terrifying, awful, wonderful journey with um, incredible things happening, lots of hard consequences and difficult things. But just after I decided to surrender, I, of course, had to go back to jail for more consequences. And I did and while I was in there, I prayed every day on my knees on that whole concrete floor and I said, God, just give me the chance. I know it won't be easy. I won't complain. I will take it with a glad heart. And when I got out, he did give me the chance. It's been a few years now. And he gave me the life that I asked for and it hasn't been easy. I lost my be- my little sister. My best friend died of COVID a year and a half ago. Lost both my parents. Um, it's been rough. And in my moments where I was so bitter and sad and and hurt, I remember that promise that I said, I'll take it with a glad heart. And I put myself in check and say, Andrew, you asked for this. So I um, slow myself down when I get like that because it happens and I don't feel like keeping my promise. And um, I remind myself that I'm I made this deal God's not Monty Hall. He's not a DA that you can make a deal with. Mm -hmm. But I made a deal. I promised that I'd take it with a glad heart. And so when I get caught up in the pain, I slow myself down and say, get your heart glad, Andrew. You got what you asked for. So today, it's different. It's about sharing what's been given to me because I haven't earned it. I don't deserve it. If I got what I deserved, oh, man. Mm -hmm. It'd be awful, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I didn't get what I deserved. I got what God gave me and, um, I can't earn it. I can't pay for it. I can't repay him, but I can do the best I can with it. And that's my goal each day is to wake up and do the best I can with what I've got. And that means regular meetings for me, um, eight years, five months and three weeks ago today, I had that last drink in the grass in my backyard and my puke and i go to those meetings and see guys who are right there and remember
2: mm-hmm.
1: and go and i need to be reminded of who i was that moment in the horror of that moment and the beauty of it that i got beat to death by my choices and finally said okay enough mm. i had to go pretty far down um but unlike many i was able to come back out so many can't or don't
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i'm so grateful that i given what isn't given to everyone um and i don't know why me i don't even need to know it's none of my business i know i'm here and today i've got this and i'm doing the best i can with it and that's not always great i screw it up pretty often <laughs> um but uh i get up and do better the next day and keep going forward and that's made me who i am i'm open about my sobriety i Tell my friends, neighbors, and even customers sometimes. uh, This is part of who I am. You know, because anybody can look me up and. See that I've got a sordid past. and I want them to know that I was that guy, Mm -hmm. but I'm now this guy. And most people, surprisingly, are very accepting of that. Some people want me the hell away from them. and that's okay, too. Mm -hmm. They have that right. So, yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey.
0: Well, and and thank you for sharing that. You know, i, I, I wanted to, um, I want to mention something that you you said when you went into that first rehab, where the, the nice lady said we can't have you here, um, because you need to medically detox. And and um, I I recorded a show yesterday, and and um, happened to that happens to a lot of us because the simple fact is, is that alcohol is the only drug that you can die. From the withdrawal. Yes. You can die. You, and not you want to, not you feel like you want to die. Yes, that's a check, check. But the fact is, is, is you can, you can die from the withdrawal of alcohol. So if you are... If you are in this position and or, and or you have a loved one that's in this position, please do not allow that. D- don't allow yourself to try to detox by yourself. At a bare minimum, make sure you have someone near you that can get help um, should you have an issue. But the fact of the matter is, is a medical detox is the only safe way when you've been drinking like a lot of us end up doing. Um, yeah. You know, and and I and I got to tell you, <laughs> Andrew, it's it's not funny, ha ha, but funny ar- ironic. We had a, a ladies AA meeting this morning that I chaired, um, and we were talking about we. Well, the topic was fear, and and um, I, you know, I, I said, I even said, you know, even eleven and a half years sober, I still can't trust my mind. I still. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and again, praise God for this program and, and the fact that I have a sponsor and I have sisters in sobriety that, that have, will not hesitate to call me on my shit, you know, um, it, it, and, you know, I'll go to make a decision and I'm just thinking, you know, and I'll make a phone call to my sponsor and go, okay, this is what I'm thinking. Am I crazy? And she's like, yep, you're crazy. Don't do that. (laughs) We don't do that anymore. Here's what, have you thought of it this way? Or have you, you know, considered this? And it's like there are times where I, I still can't trust my mind just because I, you know, the, the obsession to drink has been removed. And, yes, I'm actively yep. working a program, but I still have that ism, you know, if I'm yep. not real careful.
1: <laughs> you just reminded me of a powerful thing someone once said to me after I had tried and failed so many times to get sober. Um, my sponsor then asked me. Uh, what was happening? Why did I keep doing this? And I said, well, I kept trying to get back to be the guy that I used to be before I drank. And I just want to be that guy again. And he said, do you mean the guy who took a perfectly reasonable life and threw it away for alcohol?
0: Ooh, ouch.
1: Maybe it isn't that you're not getting back there. Maybe it is that you're succeeding in the wrong goal. Why don't you try to become some guy that you've never been before? And I was like, Wow. I've been what going concept, about this all wrong, right? What a because <laughs> I am concept. that guy. I am that guy that was a full-grown teen, nearly in my twenties, and decided alcohol was a great thing to add to my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I kept getting back to being that guy and kept making that same decision, and had the same results. So yeah, he said, "Become somebody new."
0: Yeah, and I've I've often heard it like for for me, it, it felt like. It felt like I had to be broken into a I, it felt like a million pieces um, yeah. so that you know, my higher power, who I choose to call God, um, could put me back the way that I was supposed to be. You, yes. if, if if allowed, right? Because I had the choice to to not not have that happen. Um, but but yeah and I, and I love what you said about you know this is this is not our plan, you know I mean this is this is not our plan and the minute we start to fool ourselves thinking that it is our plan, the minute we start behaving as if we have remotely some control over this plan is the minute that we find ourselves in trouble and at risk of being back there you know once again re- relatively quickly.
1: Yeah yeah I sure went back to it over and over
0: <laughs> wow
1: i'm kind of grateful that i don't have to do that anymore i don't have to go back to it um yeah not today yeah
0: so how do you how do you start your day
1: um my morning is quiet meditation i'm a journaler that's important to me yeah um i take some time to write down what i'm thinking and feeling and, um, that seems to, uh, like put me on track,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, i I really enjoy the big book and the information in it and pages 86 and 87, you know, talk about looking at the day ahead and
0: upon awakening. And mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I read those and sort of reset myself daily because each day is different and special and it's unique. And it's one individual opportunity to do right what I have done wrong so many times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I look at that as a, both an exciting challenge and, uh, the serious consequences that come with not doing it
0: right. Right. So do you, you kind of do have. you sponsor other people, other guys? I do. Yeah,
1: I do. I have a, I have a couple of sponsors. I even have a, a zoom sponsy who lives in Ireland and that okay. I've never really had that kind of connection, but it's a brave new age. And, um, we're actually very close. It's um it's been a real blessing to me and I keep trying to tell my sponsees I said you know you guys do more for me than uh, than I can ever
0: Ex- explain that. See, and again this morning I had I had someone uh she made the comment she she's she's only about 3 weeks in into the gig and and I and we were talking about reaching out to the to our sponsors and she said, "You know, I just don't want to bother her." And I'm like, "Oh, girl." Huh? please bother it is not about you you know so explain explain that to someone who doesn't understand how our program works how how that you know how that works
1: yeah well you know we often uh as alcoholics we get caught up in ourselves real easy
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and it is not uncommon for me to be caught up in self and get a call from somebody who's going through some horrible horrible shit and I'm immediately relieved of that selfishness and think of what that was like and remember how it was and how he must feel. And I have, you know, they, they say relieved of the bondage of self. And it's it's amazing how that can do that mm-hmm. when you're of service to others. Whether or not I get through to them or reach them or <laughs> it's kind of funny because I once said something about uh, to my sponsor about a sponsee that was doing really well. And he said, "You need to be careful." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I hear a little pride in your voice, and if you're going to take pride in his success, you better be re- ready to take totally responsibility for his failure." I
0: to- but it's so hard. It's so hard because <laughs> I know I I, I totally well, get that. That is a yeah, slippery was, slope.
1: Yeah, it's not about me. Um, you know, it's this is my journey, and um, it, if I can share it, and some of it's helpful to another, that's awesome. I, I can't uh, be the guy that changes, fixes, or manages or controls anybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm not even qualified to do that in my own life, much less anybody else.
0: Yeah. When that, yeah. when that happens, I, I, you know, it's, it's just funny how, uh, it's just funny how, how God works in, in my life as far as that goes, because I, I will get in that type of frame of mind and something will literally twilight zone my ass back to March 14th, 2012, when, when I was, was preparing to take my life. Um, and, um, that humi- that humility comes gushing and it's like, okay, sister, you don't have no business taking credit for for anything that, you know. And and I got to tell you, on the flip side of that, too, when someone is overly um, uh, congratulatory, you know, um, giving accolades for me for being sober and, and, you know, as far as I've come and all that, it, it's like a hot potato because it's like, no, 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 I can't take credit for that. I cannot take credit for – I cannot take credit for for my recovery. I just can't because left to my own devices, I I would have checked out a long time
1: ago. Yes. (laughs) And I I was – a lot of – everything that I say is what I've heard and been taught and been given. Uh, It's all just shared.
2: Mm -hmm. It's not
1: really independently generated from me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But (laughs) – It just, it strikes me as humbling to not be the guy with the answers, because I'm not. Um, I get to thinking I know something, and I'm usually headed for some dangerous waters. Mm -hmm. My sponsor likes to say the research is in. We (laughs) cannot.
0: (laughs) That's rude.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the results are fine. All the research is in. Right?
0: The the evidence is here, sir.
1: (laughs) And this is when I was coming and going a lot. He said, how many times do you need to prove this to yourself that you can't drink or use successfully at all, at any level, at any time? When will you accept that? Mm. And I didn't until I was face down in the grass. And it took me a long time. I recently opened a keepsake box and there was 13. 30, 60 and 90 day chips in that box. And those are just the ones I kept. There was, there's probably many more that came and went in and out of my life.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I looked at those and remembered that and thought, wow, there's a reality check.
0: Well, and two, tell me about, tell me about, because you, in your, in your story, there, there was some ga- uh, gaps in using, whether it be you were incarcerated or you were in treatment where you were away from and, and no longer had substance in your body, but you said you went back out. You know, yep. there is a misnomer that, um, <laughs> a very sad, uh, mistaken, uh, idea that you can come into recovery, you know, which which I'll, I'll, I'll let me back up real quick, because I fully I fully was disappointed um, in the fact that I thought these people in these rooms were going to teach me how to drink responsibly. Yes. Right. We're going to show me how to do it properly. Um they failed miserably at that. But tell me about. Um, how long did it take you? Oh, what I was going to say is, is that you know people think that you know after they you know have been sober for a couple of years, you know they'll just have a drink here and there, or you know, um, w- w- how was it for you when when you when you came out of not using and, and for a while and then and then picked up that first drink or drug? How long did it take you to realize that that you couldn't do that
1: normally? Well, for me, it was all about not feeling the way that I felt, because the very first time that I did drugs, um, I was in the middle of a breakup and didn't want to feel that way and said, I've always wanted to try this. I'm going to go ahead today. And it absolutely solved that moment's problem. I did not feel the way that I felt 30 seconds before.
2: Mm.
1: And I learned a truth that was an absolute lie right then, that if I want to feel different, I just need to use this and that will solve it. It doesn't, it defers it for a moment, but it doesn't solve it. And that truth I held on to, you know, exhaustingly and over and over. And I just wanted to feel different. Mm -hmm. So because I never learned how to cope with how I felt, uh, I always returned to my poison of the day, whatever it was. And it's not nearly as important Whatever I was using as is the solution.
0: Right. I didn't know so, that then. so did it take you? Because I, I know you were talking about college years like through a couple of marriages. So that's a number of years. So did it take you when you went when you when you went back out? Did it take you several years to to hit the wall again?
1: Oh no! That when they tell you that you return and and start it where you left off and and then at a faster pace i I've, I've proven that to be true repeatedly
0: okay so say uh, that one more time to define so, that for someone who's who's who doesn't know what that means
1: yeah the period of time that passes in between is sort of irrelevant but if you have an an abstinent period and I won't call it sobriety because it's hard to return to uh dope with your or alcohol if you're really working on your sobriety but if you have a period of absence and you return to the madness whatever that may be um you pick up where you left off and it normally goes at a faster
2: Mm -hmm. more accelerated
1: and more dangerous pace that always proved true for me i'd heard that and i didn't really believe it until i it proved out true in my life Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah you go right back where you started or worse right off the bat and it goes way faster down the hill Mm. Um, it's dangerous and scary business and many people don't get back and that's one of the things you know I, I guess it was two years ago on new year's eve i was one in the morning sitting outside of the hotel and looked down at my feet and there was a cold bud light right there unopened can. and mm. it was like two degrees in wisconsin then, you know I, my first thought was man i bet that's cold and i picked it up and literally put my fingernail under the tab and i was like six and half or something years sober at that time and i literally had my finger under that tab before i dropped that thing and looked at it like what the hell just happened wow you know they say no defense against that first drink right in my normal reaction i'm so broken still today that my reaction to that is oh that'd be great when everything in my life has proven that it's not great it never ends well there's no like my sponsor said the research is in but i I still react, and when I act on those without thinking or talking to someone or doing something good to get out of myself, uh, I can be in trouble real fast.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not exempt. I'm not. I don't have a shield of protection, and the days that have accumulated will mean nothing if today doesn't mean something. Right. So,
0: yeah, I'm able to walk reprieve. away from that.
1: But it was it was pretty spooky. I still remember that moment real I vividly. bet
0: well and it says it says in our book that we'll recoil as if it, from a hot yeah. flame it's that oh shit moment it's like are you uh, what? Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, for for me, and and as of recent, you know, we'll go to a restaurant and there'll be you know a couple over over here at this table, and and they have you know um, mixed drinks or whatever, and, and you know it's it's nothing for me to to just know. You notice the people sitting around you, but but then they get up to leave and their drinks are still like half full, and I'm just right. like sit your ass down and fit what is wrong with you quitter you know I just I still have that thinking that's so stupid and crazy to I would imagine a normal person but that's still that ism and and you know that still is is lying dormant you know within me right now just waiting you know to be activated at a weak moment now one of the things that like recently, I've had a couple of people that I've met that are not, you know, not in in a program. Um, but when I make mention that you know I'm I'm headed down to an AA meeting, they're like, "Oh, you still have to do that, yeah?" Oh, oh, and it's like, "Oh, no, no, I get to make no mistake about it, honey. I get to go down to a room full of people that um, are just as crazy as I am." Okay, that I can say anything. I can say anything to them, and the mirror that is the the them looking at me doesn't change. Their view of me doesn't change, and they, they don't want to fix me. They don't want to save me. They don't want to shame me. They just want to help. Yeah. You tell me. Who, you know, who out there on on the, I mean, I know my husband, he's very, I I use the word jealous, but you know what I mean. He's like, you get to go down there and, and, and throw your shit on the table and have people who care about you go, have you thought about this? Or would you think about this? Or let's talk about this. He said, I don't have that. I, I don't have that you know, and I'm like, well, you could go to Al-Anon, which was, you know, that's a running joke in our house. Anyway, (laughs) God, God, love you. Al-Anons. Do not write me letters. Do not write me letters. I love you. Al-Anons. You helped save my husband. Um, but, but so tell me how that is, uh, you know, for you, I mean, and your outlook on, on the, on the future of your sobriety and your recovery.
1: A few years back, my wife and I were recently married and I was going to my meetings pretty consistently. And she asked me, um, you know, why do you go to those meetings? And it's a hard thing to explain to somebody who's never been there or known anybody in recovery. And I did the best I could and I probably did a poor job of it. And she said to me at the time, I don't know, I think you're surrounding yourself with people who are still part of that world and you should get away from it and it's not good. And I couldn't really convey what was happening in those meetings and how important they were because I didn't have the words,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but time did for me what my words could not. And just a few weeks ago, she said, seems like you haven't been to as many meetings lately. And I looked at her and thought, huh, what's that all about? She said, you know, you're different when you go regularly. And I went, wow, that's evidence and observation from somebody who's been looking at it from the outside in. Yeah. So yeah, the impact is real and lasting and it's visible in our lives. Um, well and i got i'm I'm sorry go ahead yeah when i fall short it shows and when i'm more devoted and dedicated my life is different because my actions and my thinking is different
0: it shows as well right
1: i left to my own devices like you said my mind's a terrible place to play
0: yes yes you don't want to go there after dark right well and i gotta tell you um what is your wife's name Patty. Patty. You might consider, I don't know if you have, it just, and I'm just speaking from experience here, you might consider taking Patty to an open meeting with you. I got to tell you, Rick loves it. He, really? oh, honey child. I'm just telling you that it, it and I'm I'm speaking to you at because uh, again my higher power who I choose to call God, I am a Christian and and I've made no no qualms about that. I believe that we were put on this planet to have soul to soul connections to to see each other. Not as male and female and and all the other bullshit labels we put on each other, but to see right. each other as a, a two 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 different souls. I see you, Andrew, as another soul on on a path that God has you on, and someday we'll meet in heaven and 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 have a, a fruity drink with a with an umbrella in it. But the fact of the matter is 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 when you go into a room of people that have their guts hanging out, if you know what I mean. And they're just being authentic and honest. Souls recognize that whether they're one of us, you know, earthly, whether I've I listened to Scott L. recently and he calls normal people earthlings, you know, whether no, whether they know. whether they're an alcoholic addict or in, in recovery, not in recovery, or, or if they're a normal person, a soul recognizes another soul who's being authentic and honest. And I challenge you to let Patty go. Yeah, Rick, Rick will actually book um, us going to conferences. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He well, because most of the conferences, at least the ones around here, are there. They have AA and Al Anon speakers, so it's one of those things that. Um, you said you recently got married, so maybe she didn't get to experience you in your heydays but but yeah. still, you know, um living with uh, someone with an ism, you know is is an on. and and I bet she she would probably deem a lot, but yeah, man, Rick loves going to meetings and hearing people tell their stories and and just mm. you know that that like empowers him to tell his story, you know in in an honest way for w- in whatever capacity he can be useful to someone else. Yeah. although it's not an and 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 you know in an alcoholic situation
1: well and our lives are so intertwined yeah um, not just not just in marriages but work relationships friendships you know aa relationships we're so uh we impact each other with mm-hmm. uh, even things we don't intend for others to see or it, it just it's so there's it, we're, we're in it together
0: it's beautiful
1: it is beautiful, it's and it's beautiful. a little alarming because there's a responsibility that goes with that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would challenge you to invite Patty into that world. Uh, you know, I, I had I had a sponsee that that got re- uh, married recently to a normal, and and I was able to say to him, I said, "You have to come into her world." Uh, you know, when, when you take one of us guys on, and, and you know, this is my opinion, but I, I've also known it to be fact. So take it, what, take what you want. But the fact is, is that Rick, Rick had to come to, to into my world and live. I can't survive in his world. I just right. can't. I, I, I can't survive in his world. So him coming into mine was a necessity for our relationship to work. But again, he loves recovery. Quite frankly, he often says that he thinks the 12 steps ought to be taught in high school. What are you powerless Uh over? You know, you know, taking responsibility for your actions. Have you wronged someone? Have you said you're sorry? Have you made it a, you know, those kinds of things, which are just basic character traits that, you know, quite frankly are lacking these days. Um, But, but yeah, he just, he loves being in the world of of recovery and our community is so, um, our recovery community is so tight-knit that yeah he just and, and, and of course everybody's welcoming everybody you know he's he's welcome and and it just he yeah he just loves it it's the next best thing to him not having you know that that type of uh, a tight-knit community like we have sure. so I bet she'd probably love it if you gave it gave it a shot
1: I think I'll let her yeah. have that shot I think I'll invite her to one
0: well and and it, it's so beautiful for um for for someone we love to see inside our world and get something yeah. out of it of value you know um i can I, there are times where i'll hear him on the phone with one of our children and, um, you know, he'll, he'll say something that's, that's programmed, you know, if you will, you know, well, have, you know, what, what have you considered? What's your, what's your part in that? You know, I mean, do you maybe need to this? And it's like, ah, that's on page, you know, yeah. <laughs> did you know you were just quoting the big book? <laughs> so anyway, well, I am so grateful that you joined me today, Andrew. I think you're amazing. And, um, I love your sobriety. And like I said, um, I just I'm very grateful. I know you've got a lot going on in your life right now, um, so taking the time to to be here with me today, I'm I'm very grateful.
1: You know, I, the main lesson that I've learned through incarcerations, failures, successes, is that if I'm not sober, nothing else matters—not mm-hmm. jobs, cars, marriages, houses, money, freedom, life, health. None of it
2: matters. Mm-hmm
1: it is the first thing that i have to put first right for all the rest of it to fall in place Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and um you know that's why i'm sitting here right now um when i'm in the middle of a big crisis work thing and because if i don't make this first and not just talk about it if i don't do it right then it becomes second which is the same as last in my life Mm -hmm. because if anything else is first i'm in big trouble
0: right well, and along those same lines, I, I said in the meeting this morning too. As long as I'm sober, there's no big deals. Yeah, there's just no big yeah. deals. If if yeah, I mean, I can I I don't know if I can handle anything that comes my way, but I I've got someone in my corner that can, so that I choose to to hand everything over to so anyway i'm gonna let you get back to to work and um thank you so so much for joining me thank you randy grimes again and athletes in recovery for sponsoring this episode of purpose-driven sobriety christine
1: all right. it's been an honor thank you
0: hey you as well sir have a blessed day i'll talk to you soon
1: all right Bye. all right
0: take care bye-bye Thanks for listening to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back.